It's really good to be with you today. This is the third Sunday in Lent. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of an interesting Sunday. I always look at the scripture readings to kind of get the gist of, well, what is it that we're about today? And the Old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel. Do you know much about Ezekiel the prophet? Oh, incredible. You should read the book of Ezekiel. I'm sure some of you have. It's a strange book. It's got all kinds of visions in it about wheels within wheels. And very interesting book. And it was written at a time when God was doing something that I'm sure the people couldn't figure. They didn't know what was going on, but the preparations were being made in the great heart of God to renew Jerusalem and to rebuild it out of its ruins. And Ezekiel's got some really strict warnings in the lesson for today about our behavior. So it is important to God, our behavior. So that's one of the things that kind of comes up to me today, our behavior. Maybe God wants us to talk about how we behave. The second lesson is from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthian Christians. And, um, boy, that's quite a place. Stuff was going on in the church of Corinth that just makes you blush. And St. Paul says to them, you guys, you know, you better get your act together. It's kind of important how you behave. And the gospel lesson for today, I just love it. I just love the gospel. First, those two unanswered questions about the people who died. And, you know, the person on the street said, my goodness, they must have done something really terrible to die like that, you know. They, deserve, they must have deserved that, you know. Jesus said it has nothing to do with it. And I love the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ comes into these difficult situations that doesn't have anything to do with what you're thinking, something else. And what is the something else? I don't have a clue. But it's not based on bad behavior. That's why the tower fell. Now, that doesn't mean that a tower won't fall if you're bad. But um, just kind of an interesting gospel lesson for us. So, you know, all of these things together kind of make me think about, well, maybe the good Lord wants us to spend a few moments together this morning talking about how it is that we behave in this life. Is it important? By the way, I was a good good kid when I was growing up. Do you believe that? Sure you do. <laughs> uh, I really, my father used to worry about me. Your pastor, way back when, he used to worry about me when I was a kid because I never did anything wrong. That is, that he knew. Until one night I came home and my house was filled with company, which was very common, always had people in our house and in the kitchen especially. And my father and all of his friends, they'd be sitting there arguing and laughing and having a great time. And so one Sunday night I came home from where I had been and walked into the kitchen and here's all this noise and I'm just kind of a little kid. I guess I was 16, I don't know. I said, Dad, couldn't get his attention. Dad, and everybody kind of stopped, and I knew all the people, and, you know, they knew me. Dad, you have to come down to the police station with me. And he looked at me, he said, what? And I said, yes, the police chief wants me to bring you down to the police station. 
By the way, that police chief is a relative of Pastor Gerald Seaman. <laughs> I asked Jerry before the service, what was his name again? Chromig? Did I have it right? Chromig? Chromig, yeah. Anyway, he was a nice fight. Gus was his first name. He was a police chief. And what had happened is this. That was the night of our senior prom. And it wasn't like senior proms today, but it was a good senior prom. And some of us got together and decided we were going to have a party after the senior prom at the school was over because you couldn't do anything at the senior prom at the school except dress up. Uh, dancing was, eh, you know, maybe occasionally, but it was always 18 inches. You know that old rule? We really observed it, too. Anyway, after that was over, some of us said, oh, let's go have our own party. So we arranged to go somewhere. And I was on my way there, and I had my dad's car. And it was a great old car, a Chevrolet of some kind. And I was tooling along with my buddies. I was really an important guy because I had the car. They didn't have a car. And I was going too fast. And one of the policemen, one of Gus Froman's friends, followed me, and he put his red light on. It was red back then, on top of the car, and it blinked or something. I said, oh, my gosh, there's a policeman. I'll get rid of him. So I sped down Bliss Street. Jerry, you know Bliss Street, right? Sped down Bliss Street, and here this cop car kept getting closer and closer, and I burst into a driveway, turned off the lights, and sat there like this, and he pulled up right behind me. And I got out of my car. Today, you don't do that, right? I got out of my car, and I said, I'm sorry, I know I was speeding. I was scared to death. And the policeman looked at me, and he said, come down to the police station with your father. He knew who I was, <laughs> small town. And that's why I went to my house. I said, Dad. So we went down to the police station. My dad didn't say too much on the way. He said, you know, what were you doing? I said, I was going too fast. And he said, I told you you shouldn't go too fast, you know. And the policeman was very nice to us, Gus Froming, Jerry's uncle. And he said, now, Tommy, you were speeding, and I've never picked you up before. What do you have to say? You know, so I got the lecture, and it was good, Dutch uncle stuff. And my dad just, oh, he laid down on me. He said, if you ever do this again, you know. So we went home, and that was the end of that. But I never forgot that. And believe me, I really didn't speed much in my life after that, thanks to Gus Froming. So behavior. You do something bad, and you're usually going to get caught. And, you know, our, our behavior is important to our Lord. Now, you know, I don't know what God was doing when I was in the police station sweating. If God can do such a thing, I think he was probably laughing. Look at that little kid. He thought he was so smart. He got his hand slapped. But it'll be good for him. What was going on in the church of Corinth was a little bit worse than speeding down Bliss Street. That was a church, you know, a church of Jesus Christ. And St. Paul referred to those people as saints. <laughs> that strikes me as funny, too. There's so much humor in the Bible. To the saints in Corinth who are committing incest because that was going on in the church of Corinth. To the saints in Corinth, Paul would say. And what were they doing? They were turning the Lord's Supper into a debacle, a drunken feast, 
where they came to, I don't get that either, but they were called love feasts back then. Communion, and they did it differently. And I don't think we should do it the way they did it, but it turned into drinking wine and eating bread and the heck with the rest of the folks. Anybody would come in that was poor, they'd go to the back of the room. It was terrible. And St. Paul comes in there, just blasts their rear ends off, excuse me, and says, you folks, you don't realize what you're doing. You're offending the name of Christ who gave his body and blood for you. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 11. So St. Paul, as an emissary of God, was very interested in the behavior of people. And so we should be interested in our own behavior. So I say, how, how has it been for you? You know, we've, we've got the Ten Commandments, and I guess that's why God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Take these laws down from the top of this mountain, Moses, and give them to the people and tell them this is what I want them to do with their lives. In our catechism, we refer to the commandments curb, mirror, rule. I don't know if anybody uses those terms anymore. I think they're still in the catechism, but it's really helpful. As God gives us his commandments, what do we do with them? Well, we look at them as a curb. What's a curb? When I was growing up in Winfield, Kansas, the curbs were by the side of the road, and they were there basically to keep the water running down the road instead of everybody's house and lawn when it rains so terribly hard occasionally. And I guess the commandments do. We refer to the commandments as a rule. Well, that's pretty easy, a rule, something to follow. But really... What it means is not a ruler to follow. It's a straight edge. That's what that... The commandments are like a straight edge. You put them down and you kind of walk with them and it keeps you from falling off to the left or to the right and making a mess of your life. But God has an interest in how we live in this world. And when we mess up and go our own way, our Lord is not pleased. We ought to have a time of confession in our service, different from the one here. Somebody brave enough stand up in front and say, well, let me tell you what I did this morning. It's pretty early in the morning. It's not even 10 o'clock, I don't think. And here's what I've done. Just really, I've messed up. And my problem is that I find that that's the same problem I have every day. And I say, Lord, help me today. Help me to be your person. You know, Help me not to speed. Help me to do whatever it is that I should do and avoid the things that cause you distress. And it causes God distress when we go off to the right or to the left and make a mess of our life because God is a God of, of justice and a God of perfection. Our Lord Jesus Christ is very interested that we get our act together. But then the Holy Gospel goes on and talks about, I think, a very funny thing, sort of, about a gardener who has, you know, good stuff. And he, he, he leaves his garden to someone else to take care of and says, make sure that this thing is working properly. And there's a, there's a problem tree in the garden. I guess it's a fig tree. Fig trees always get blamed for everything in the Bible. But there's this tree, and it is not producing and the gardener comes up to that tree. Now, what is a tree that doesn't produce? Maybe it's something like me or you that doesn't do things quite right in our life as a child of God. I'm not producing. I'm producing the wrong kind of stuff. And anyway, I'm a tree that isn't 
perfectly healthy. And I'm like that tree in the garden. And I think it's so wonderful and sort of comical, but also wonderful what happens. The, the gardener comes in and says, let's get rid of that tree. It's a mess. I don't like it anymore. It's not doing what it should do. Pull it out. And the gardener says, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's work with it a little bit. Now, it's not specified in the gospel lesson, of course, but to me, the gardener is a representation of what our Lord Jesus Christ does for us. When there's another something in our life that would say to us, get rid of this person. He's not worthy. He's a sinner and all of that. The gardener comes, and to me, that's Jesus coming into our lives to save us. <laughs> and look how he saves us. He says, look, let me work with this tree a little bit. And the scripture says, I'll dig around it and I'll water it. Have, have you ever done stuff like that in your garden? You go and you pull the weeds out, I suppose, and hoe around it and whatever you do. And, and then he says, and I'll put manure on it. Maybe the manure will help it grow. <laughs> in the old King James Version, God bless the old King James Version, says, I'll dung it. Don't you love that? You're going to get dunged by God before this is all over. So things come into our lives which are uncomfortable for us and make us feel, ugh. But who knows, maybe some of those things are the process that God uses in our lives to dung us, to give us energy from some other source, which is greater than the energy that we have that puts, puts that dirt in a position where it can feed the tree so that the tree begins to grow and prosper and by golly produce fruit. That's an act of love that we see in the gospel lesson for today, hidden behind the image of this gardener who comes into our lives to help us get better. You know, and our, our purpose in life, I, I think it's a waste of time for us to say, well, I'm here to get better. I, we've got better things to do than that. But nonetheless, we are always interested in trying to live according to the will of God and to his word. And we pray to our father, please help us. And God said, okay, I'll put some dung on you and I'll help you. And some of you probably could tell us a story or two about how that's happened to you in your life. Something untoward, which has caused you great distress, but has turned out to be one of the greatest blessings that God ever gave you to put you back on his track. And God puts you back on his track to do good things rather than bad, not to save you because you're already saved. That's why the gardener won't get rid of that tree because that tree is precious. Even that lousy tree is precious to the gardener. So if you feel like an unfruitful, lousy tree, remember that you are loved by the God who planted you and wants you to produce fruit or whatever that might be for you for the sake of other people. Our behavior is important. The Old Testament lesson, Ezekiel talks about how God warned the people again and again to, to, to get their lives together. And I'm, I'm thinking of so many passages in the Old Testament where, 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 where God says to the people who are on their way to Israel, clean up your act, clean up your act. Don't bring me disgrace, but show the people of this world that I am your God and that I am 
do those things which point to God in a positive way so that people will look at you and say, what motivates you? What is it about you? I want to be like that. And so by your own good behavior, you draw attention to the fact that your roots are planted firmly in the soil of God's word and his gracious will. And you produce fruit that is beneficial to other people. So that we begin to have a better reputation. You know, there are churches around and other organizations which do such beautiful things. And, and what happens is that because they do those beautiful things, they are overwhelmed with the attention of the world that looks in awe. You know, there's a candle company in Door County, Wisconsin, where I have a home, and it's called the Door County Candle. And it's just a little shop, and I've been there. It's a nice little shop, but it's small. It's, it's not nearly as large as your, your fellowship hall or this church, it's tiny. And those people came to something the other day, or the other week, whatever. They said, let's make Ukrainian candles. And so they made candles with the colors of Ukraine. And somehow that word got out. And they're just overwhelmed with attention and business from all over the world because of their Ukrainian candles. And they were talking to the people the other day, and I happened to see it. And they said, well, you know, we weren't trying to do anything big. We just thought this would be a way maybe we could help a few people. And they have orders for hundreds of thousands of candles. And they don't know how in the world they're ever going to fill those orders. And the world looks at them with awe and says, what a great thing. Well, I don't know if they were motivated by the Spirit of God or not, but I think the Spirit of God uses that to show the world that there are people like you who have good attitudes and want to do good for other people in this world and so bring glory finally to Christ. And when I drive up here in the morning, as you do, you know, I always look and it seems, I don't really know, but it seems like the neighborhood hasn't changed too much. I, I really don't know. But all of the people in this neighborhood, that this church might become a vision for them. That they might look at it and say, boy, oh, that's a great place. They're doing good things there. Their behavior as a church is helpful, and I love it. And so bring glory to God and to his church and to his son, Jesus Christ, who loves us so much that he'll even send us some unpleasant things occasionally to get us to grow again and to move into the future. Well, I was just kind of thinking for myself this morning. I hope it's helpful for you that you take these words and apply them any way you can. And may God bless you and me as we walk into this world, knowing that we have a God who is with us and who will never forsake us and always, always bless us. In Jesus' name.